Hello and welcome to the 10 Minute More or Less podcast. My name is Carlos Anthony. How's it going today? Hope everything's good. Good. I would like to thank my patrons. My patrons went to patreon.com slash Carlos Anthony Comedy and decided to support what I'm doing, this podcast, and also helping me grow this project that I'm working on. Go to patreon.com slash Carlos Anthony Comedy to support what I do and see some of the rewards that you can get by helping me out. I would also like to thank my major gigantic sponsor, Wet Ones, because when you need something wet, grab one. Wet Ones is not a real sponsor. Alright, so last week was inauguration week. It was f- so much fun. Let me tell ya. It was um it was a shed show, is what it was. And <laughs> the weekend just got better from there. So I'm gonna be talking about a few things today. And I, I usually don't have a plan, but today I do have a plan. So the plan for today is first I'm gonna speak about Sean Spicer's first press conference. He is the White House press secretary and communication director. Then I'm going to be giving you my picks for the Oscars. The nominations were announced this morning. And so I'll be telling you who the nominees are in each category. And then I will talk about the Women's March that took place on Saturday. There you go. That's the plan. That's the agenda. I think there will be a big enough, good enough podcast I might not do. I will most likely not be doing any news today. Even though I think that's the best part of the podcast. I think that's the only thing that anybody listens to. I actually might be wrong. Maybe no one listens to any of this. So whatever. Doesn't really matter, does it now? All right. So if you were living... Under a rock, I'm going to let you know that Donald Trump won the presidency. He is the president of the United States. He was inaugurated on Friday with a very nice, touching, unifying message that he gave the country. Not. You had to know I was making that up, right? When has he given a unifying message? When? Go ahead. I'll let you I'll let you think about it. Never. That's when. The biggest issue that came from that was... And this is so stupid to talk about, but the biggest issue that came from that was the crowd size. Two pictures went out online comparing the size of the crowd when Obama took office in 2009 versus the size of the crowd that went to the inauguration of Donald Trump. So the White House immediately went on attack mode because, you know, there's nothing more important than to prove and to tell people and to show that you were able to bring more people out to your inauguration than the previous president. And that's the most important thing when you become president of the United States. 
is measuring whose dick is bigger. My dick is bigger than yours. It was cold at night. Dick measuring contest. No, my dick is bigger than yours. My dick is like a boa constrictor. And yours is like a tiny garden serpent. My dick bigger than a bridge. Yo dick look like a little kid. My dick large like the Chargers. The whole team. Yo shit look like you 14. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing. According to this idiot. Sean Spicer the White House Press Secretary and Communications Director came out on uh, Saturday to denounce the media for being so, so mean and making up pictures showing that the amount of people that Donald Trump attracted to his inauguration was less than Obama's because how dare you how dare you do that and so he was very angry came out yelled at the media and reporters for being liars and minis then left gave out a bunch of uh, fake information and false facts that he has since retracted because he had no other choice he wasn't supposed to have an official press conference until Monday morning. But you know, when your boss gets freaked out by the fact that he's not being validated as he thinks he should be, then you need to go out and, you know, scold the media for showing realities. How dare you show these pictures that show the truth? So after that on Monday, he came out, pretty much apologized, make up some crap again according to him it was actually watched by more people if you combine people watching it on their cell phones on their tablets on their computers on tv on jumbotrons um that's just made up by me no but in reality he did say if you take into account uh computers tablets um cell phones um and TVs, you know, there's more people watching in general, including the people that were at the mall, then there was a lot more people. Really, dude? There are ratings, number, hard-selling numbers, showing how many people watched this integration. And in case you were not aware, networks know who's watching and where you're watching and what device you're using to watch, networks are able to get the ratings from your DVR. So for this guy to come out and say that there's all these other things that are being unaccounted for that people were watching on, is just ridiculous. Because the only thing that the networks wouldn't know that you were watching is if you were, I don't know, like flying over the inauguration with a drone or in a balloon and watching it that way. Any other way, networks know that you're watching or radio stations know that you're listening. They know. That's how they make their money. That's how they are able to sell advertising time to make money. 
it's their business to know how many people are watching in which device. But at the end of the day, who gives a shit? Why does that matter? He is the president. He won. What more validation do you need? Like, how sad, how small do you have to be to fight over stupid shit like this? But that wasn't all. It just, it gets worse. I'm going to play a clip. But, but in terms of the crowd size issue, why bring that up at the CIA? And why did you come out Saturday <laughs> afternoon to talk about that? Did he tell you, Sean, I'm upset about this. I want you to... Uh, he did. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there talking. No, I, I'm not going to get into conversations that I have with the president, but I will tell you that it's not its not just about a crowd size. It's about this constant, you know, he's not going to run. Then if he runs, he's going to drop out. Then if he runs, he can't win. There's no way he can win Pennsylvania. There's no way he can win Michigan. Then if he won, it's always oh, – there is this constant theme to undercut the enormous support that he has. And I think it's just unbelievably frustrating when you're continually told it's not big enough, it's not good enough, you can't win. But you won. So you proved everybody wrong. Why Why continue pushing this? Like, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to bow to this guy? Are we supposed to kiss his ring? I don't understand what kind of validation he is looking for. He won. Period. And, 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 hold on, let me just sure. because I, I think it's important. He's gone out there and defied the odds over and over and over again, and he keeps getting told what he can't do by this narrative that's out there, and he exceeds it every single time. And I think there's an overall frustration when you open, when you turn on the television over and over again and get told you guys are frustrated. You guys who won the White House are frustrated. Has this man? And you, Sean Spicer, watch TV and seen what more than half of the country is feeling? The frustration that's out there? Have you guys seen that? But you guys are frustrated. That there's this narrative that you didn't win, you weren't going to run, you can't pick up this state. That's not, you know, that, that's a fool's errand to go to Pennsylvania. Why is he in Michigan? How silly. They'll never vote for him. A Republican hasn't won that state since 88. And then he goes and he does it. And then what's the next narrative? Well, it must have been because of this. He didn't win that. And then, oh, people aren't attending your thing. Or John Lewis is, is the first person to skip his inauguration. Not true. And over and over again, the MLK bust. I, I think over and over again, there's this constant attempt to undermine his credibility and the movement that he represents. And it's frustrating for not just him, but I think so many of us that are trying to work to get this message out. And, and, it, it's, and, and so I mentioned this to Jonathan, but part of this is a two-way street. Like, we, we want to we have a healthy dialogue, not just with you, but with the American people. Because he's fighting for jobs, he's fighting to make this country safer. But when you're constantly getting told that can't be true, we doubt that you can do this, this won't happen. And that's the narrative when you turn on television every single day. It's a little frustrating. And I think that for those people around him, his senior team especially, but so many of the other folks that are either here in the administration, they gave up their time during the transition, they left a job to work for three or four weeks because they're so committed to having his nominees get through. It's a little demoralizing to turn on the TV day after day and hear, can't do this, this guy's not going to get confirmed, no way they're going to go through. Demoralizing? Are you fucking kidding me? First of all, all of you in that group of people working for him need to grow a pair because leading a country isn't 
easy. Leading a country is more demoralizing than anything else that you will do in your life. Because things that you want to do aren't going to go through. Things that you want to do are going to be hard to accomplish. It's not easy. And how can you guys say you are demoralized? You are in the White House. This is what you wanted. You are in there now. Shut up and work. It's demoralizing when you turn on TV. Shut the fuck up. Grow up. Really? Demoralizing is the people out there that can get a job. Demoralizing is the people that know that you guys are going to go and fuck up whatever is being done to help the environment. Demoralizing is to know that if you guys raise the, tar the tariffs on Mexico and other countries, that the things that we buy here are going to be super expensive to buy demoralizing is the fact that you are lying to people telling them that you're going to bring back their jobs that you know that won't come back because things have changed demoralizing is knowing that if you do bring those jobs you're gonna set us back and you're gonna make other countries bigger powers than the united states is that's demoralizing thinking about all those things is demoralizing but Turning on the TV and seeing the people who are saying that you didn't bring as big of a crowd as the last president did. That's demoralizing. The people criticizing you is demoralizing. You guys are in the wrong line of work. But isn't that just part of the, the conversation that I, happens in Washington? No, it's not. I, I think with being president of the United States and no, looking at the White no, House. I, I, look, I've been doing this a long time. You've been doing this, too. I've never seen it like this. Jim, I, I've never, and again, I'm not, I, I, I'm not looking to to go back and forth, but you're asking for an explanation, and I think that it's important to understand that whether it's it's the president himself, the vice president, the senior team, the volunteers, or the people who are out there just, you know, in America that voted for him or walked the streets or put up a sign, that to constantly told no, no, no. And to watch him go, yes, 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 every time. And to come up to the next hurdle and see someone put a block up gets a little frustrating. And I think that we are. And, and so you see this historic thing. And he stands there at the Capitol. And I was not that close, but, you know, on the platform. And you look out and you all your your it's an amazing view. And it's just so many people who got in long lines, who had to go around all this different stuff to get in. And that was for the first time that we did have to go through fencing. Um, that far out, and 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 then to hear, well, look at this shot, and it's not that it wasn't that big. It's a little demoralizing because when you're sitting there and you're looking out and you you're in awe of just how awesome that view is and how many people are there, and you go back and you turn on the television and you see shots of comparing this and that. So you're going to compare your view from the podium where the inauguration took place from the platform. As far as your eyes can see, that's going to be your proof of how many people was there. Really? What do you have? Like telescopic vision? Like what is it? You, what are you, Superman? Your eyes can only see so far. Of course, whatever you see in front of you, your immediate view, it's going to be gigantic. It's going to look like tons of people. And because there was a lot of people. They're saying they were probably at least 900,000 people. 
that's not a small crowd so of course if you're looking from stage out into the crowd it's gonna look like a like millions but when you actually have a picture taken from the same place where the other picture was taken and you compare apples to apples then you can tell that is not the same and how can you be demoralized because of a fucking picture you are governing you are running a country you cannot be demoralized over something so small as a picture i mean you, you know and then you look at the stuff that's happening the nominees that get put out the democrats stopping there are two cabinet officials ladies and gentlemen that are taking their office today he visited the cia and a director that was considered a consensus candidate wasn't approved where's the story uh no one's talking about that because you made a bigger deal about a picture than what you just spoke about why didn't you make a bigger deal about confirmations instead of a stupid picture clearly your priorities are not what they should be and I think that so it, I, to, is there a fair criticism that you've got bigger fish to fry like why worry about a couple of tweets about it, crowd because it's not because that's what I'm saying you're minimizing the point here Jim it's not about one tweet it's not about one picture it's about a constant theme it's about sitting here every time and being told no well we don't think he can do that he'll never accomplish that he can't win that it won't be the biggest it's not going to be that good the crowds aren't that big he's not that successful the narrative and the the, the default narrative is always negative and it's demoralizing. And I think that when you sit here and you realize the sacrifice the guy made of leaving a very, very successful business because he really cares about this country. Uh, hello. Hello there. Yeah. Uh, nobody asked him to run for president. He made that decision on his own and also because his ego forced him to he can quit tomorrow i mean he does not have to make any sacrifices for anyone you know thank you but no thank you go on with your life do not do not sacrifice for us jesus donald trump christ please get off the cross and go on with your life. We we will be okay. Really. The goal on this guy. And he continues throwing around that word. Demoralizing. Does he know what demoralizing means? Because you cannot. Again. Cannot be demoralized. As the person who's running the country. Over pictures. This is all I have for this section. We need to move on to more important things like the Oscar nominations. The Oscar nominations were announced this morning. Best Picture nominees are Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, Moonlight. So I'm going to give you three choices on some, two on all. Another ones, another ones are only going to have one choice. 
So for best picture, I'm going to go with two. La La Land or Manchester by the Sea. One of those two will take the Oscar. My favorite pick is La La Land. Secondary pick, Manchester by the Sea. Best actress, Isabel Hopper L. Ruth Nega, Loving. Natalie Portman, Jackie. Emma Stone, La La Land. Meryl Streep, Florence Foster Jenkins. Now, what are the chances that Emma Stone will take La La Land? Historically, if you win a Golden Globe, the chances are that you will also win an Oscar. So, for Best Actress, I'm going to go with two. I'm going to go with Emma Stone for La La Land. Fingers crossed she doesn't win, though. And actually goes to Ruth Nega for Loving. So those are my two choices. Emma Stone is number one because I think Hollywood's going to give it to her. But I would prefer it if if um, Ruth Nega got the Oscar for Best Actress. Best Actor. Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea. Andrew Garfield, Hacksaw Ridge. Ryan Gosling, La La Land. Viggo Mortensen, Captain Fantastic. Denzel Washington, Fences. Again, same rule applies. If you get a Golden Globe, most likely you will get the Oscar. So, this is, this is, these are my picks, okay? Denzel Washington is my number one pick. He should be the one that takes the Oscar. But if Hollywood isn't fair, as sometimes they are, and they want to create a new superstar, then Ryan Gosling is going to take the Oscar. So it's going to be between Ryan Gosling and Denzel Washington. Pick number one is going to be Denzel Washington. Ryan Gosling is going to be pick two. And then Casey Affleck got a Golden Globe as well. So I'm going to give it to Casey Affleck as a number three. Best Supporting Actor. Mahershala Ali, Moonlight. Jeff Bridges, Hell or High Water. Lucas Hedges, Manchester by the Sea. Dev Patel, Lion. Michael Shannon, Nocturnal Animals. So, Dev Patel could take it. But then Mahershala Ali... Hmm, it's a tough choice. Okay, I'm gonna go three here as well. Pick number one, Mahershala Ali, Moonlight, Dev Patel, Lion, Michael Shannon, Nocturnal Animals. Those are my three picks. Best Supporting Actress, Viola Davis, Fences, Naomi Harris, Moonlight, Nicole Kidman, Lion, Octavia Spencer, Hidden Figures. Michelle Williams, Manchester by the Sea. Okay, for Best Supporting Actress, I'm going to go Viola Davis first for Fences. Naomi Harris, Moonlight. And Octavia Spencer, Hidden Figures. So those are going to be my three choices. Viola Davis, Fences. Naomi Harris, Moonlight. Octavia Spencer, Hidden Figures. I, I, really, I really think and hope that Viola Davis will take it. Best Director, Denise Villeneuve, Arrival, Mel Gibson, Hacksaw Ridge, Damien Chazelle, La La Land, Kenneth Lonergan, Manchester by the Sea, 
Barry Jenkins, Moonlight. Winner. This was a tough one. Okay, I'm gonna have. I'm gonna pick two. Barry Jenkins, Moonlight, one. So that's my first choice. Kenneth Lonergan, Manchester by the Sea is my uh, choice number two. Best original screenplay. Hell or High Water, La La Land, The Lobster, Manchester by the Sea, 20th Century Women. Best original screenplay, I will say The Lobster. If I was voting, I will vote for The Lobster. But reality choice of winner here, I will say Manchester by the Sea 1, Hell or High Water 2. Those are my two choices. Best adapted Screenplay, Arrival, Fences, Hidden Figures, Lion, Moonlight. Best Adapted Screenplay, it will have to go to Fences and Arrival. I will go number one, Fences, number two, Arrival. That's my choice. Those are my choices. Cinematography, Arrival, La La Land, Lion, Moonlight, Silence. La La Land, that's... My one and only choice. Cinematography, La La Land will win it. Best documentary, short subject, extremists, 4.1 miles, Joe's violin, Watani, my homeland, the white helmets. Based on the buzz, I will say the white helmets will take it. I need to see the subjects of the other four because sometimes one documentary might have the buzz, but sometimes the subject will sway the votes and take the Oscar. Okay, so I just read what each one of these um, documentaries are about. Extremists, it's not going to take it. 4.1 Miles... Might take it. Joe's violin won't take it. So the the thing is that 4.1 Miles, Watani, My Homeland, and the White Helmets are all around the same subjects. So that makes it very hard for me to decide. Not having seen any of them, usually when it comes to best documentary short subject or best documentary feature, I usually go by the subject. So depending on the subject what most people will be voting for. In this case, it depends. It's it's kind of it's kind of split. For one miles about a coast guard uh, captain who saves refugees. What time in my homeland is about people in the um, in the war, and the white helmets is the same thing. Okay, so I'll go number one white helmets. Number two four point one miles. Those are my two choices for best documentary short subject. Best animated feature, Kubo and the Two Strings, Moana, My Life as a Zucchini, The Red Turtle, Zootopia. Personally, Kubo and the Two Strings is my pick. That's who I think will win. You know what? That's not true. Kubo and the Two Strings is my pick. It's my pick, my personal pick. But I think the winner is going to be the Red Turtle. I've heard about how that movie was done and, and what it's about and what they did with that movie. I think that's going to win. So, number one pick, the Red Turtle. Number two pick, Kubo and the Two Strings. Best animated short, Blind Vaisha, Borrowed, Time, Parasider, and Cigarettes. Pearl, 
Piper. I don't really know about any of this. Um, when it comes to best animated short, I usually decide uh, when I'm watching the clips that they show during the Oscars. So not having seen any of them or anything, I will go with Blind Vaisha as number one and Per Cider and Cigarettes as number two. Best Original Song, Audition, La La Land, Can't Stop the Feeling, Trolls, City of Stars, La La Land, The Empty Chair, Jim, The James Foley Story, How Far I'll Go, Moana, City of Stars, La La Land, We'll Take It, Hands Down, Best Live Action Short, Enemies Interiors, La Femme et le TGV, Silent Nights, Sing, Time Code. These action shorts I usually choose the night of the Oscars, but I'm doing this now, so I'm going to go with La Femme et le TGV and Silent Nights. Those two. Let's see how that goes. Best Foreign Film, Land of Mine, A Man Called Ove, The Salesman, Tana, Tony Erdman. Best Foreign Film, Land of Mine. I think that's going to be the winner. Best Sound Editing, Arrival, Deep Water Horizon, Hacksaw Ridge, La La Land, and Sully. For Sound, Arrival. Number two, Hacksaw Ridge. Those are my two choices. Best Sound Mixing, Arrival, Hacksaw Ridge, La La Land, Rogue One, Star Wars Story, 13 Hours. Arrival. I will still give it to Arrival. Best Film Editing. Arrival, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, La La Land, Moonlight. For editing, I will say Arrival and Hacksaw Ridge. Number one, Arrival. Number two, Hacksaw Ridge. Best Production Design. Arrival, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Hell Caesar, La La Land, Passengers. For production design, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I think that's the best play, the best uh, choice. Best custom design, Allied, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Florence Foster Jenkins, Jackie, La La Land. So if we go with the fantasy side of custom design, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them will take it. If people vote more for the historic value, um, then Jackie will take it. Best Original Score, Jackie, La La Land, Lion, Moonlight, Passengers, La La Land will take it. VFX or Visual Special Effects, Deep Water Horizon. Doctor Strange, The Jungle Book, Kubo and the Two Strings, Rogue One, Star Wars Story. These are a little hard. So I'm going to say number one, The Jungle Book, and number two, Rogue One, Star Wars Story. Those are my two choices. Best Makeup. A Man Called Ove, Star Trek Beyond, Suicide Squad. I will give it to A Man Called over the other two. Best Documentary Feature Fire at Sea I Am Not Your Negro Life Animated OJ Made in America 13th 
I am not your Negro, I think we'll, uh, we'll take it. All right, so those are your nominees and my predictions for the Oscars. I am sure that you're aware that on Saturday there was a women's march in different parts of the country. The main one was in Washington, D.C., and there was one in L.A., San Francisco, Oakland, Utah, and different parts of the country. This in response to our new president and the things that he had said about women in general. I'm not the type of person to go to a march or a protest. That's not that's not what I do. It's not my thing. But my sister asked me to go. And after thinking about it, I decided to go. And I'm glad I did because it was a good experience. It was it was it was nice to see people standing up for what they believe. It was also good to see how many people showed up and supported the cause. And being around those people and some of them with their kids and you know, just showing to the world and the country that that there's more than what the election gave us and that we want a better place to live and that we want a place where equality exists and respect for one another. It was a nice message. I had a good time, better than I thought I would. And so I want to thank my sister for inviting me and my brother to kind of pushing me to go because um, I had a good time. Now that that happened, though, having gotten the attention from the world and the country, how do you keep that going? How do you keep people engaged in order to make a change? I was talking to someone and that was their concern. The concern was like, how do you keep this going? And that's the hardest thing about a movement. How do you keep a movement going? How do you make a change with your movement? Because if you think about it, the movement that I can think of lately that was very successful at changing things, the way they wanted them to be changed, is the Tea Party. Tea Party started as a movement that people kind of, you know, made fun of and stuff and Little by little, pushing and pushing, they got a lot of their people into government. And now they are in government. So how do you copy something like the Tea Party, but not to that extreme? Because the Tea Party is an extreme. So how do you kind of capture that idea without becoming an extremist group? That's the hard part. Something to keep in mind. That's all I have for today. Thank you very much for listening to the 10 Minute More or Less podcast show. My name is Carlos Anthony. I want to encourage you to go to patreon.com slash carlosanthonycomedy where you can go and support me and help me grow this project. You will see what my goal is in the rewards that you can get by supporting me. I will be having a show in February. I will have more details in the next podcast. For more information, you can go to facebook.com slash carlosanthonycomedy. And if you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at c anthony 
is fun. Thank you very much. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.